The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Brothers and sisters, let's take our Bible, if we would, turn to the New Testament book of Matthew, chapter number 22. Matthew 22, and I just want to take a moment as we're finding our place there. If you're visiting with us, you can. Uh, there's a, a Bible in the pew back in front of you, and there's a table of contents, the first few pages. You can certainly find the book if you're unfamiliar with that. The large numbers are the chapters. The smaller numbers are the actual verse references. So we're in the New Testament, Matthew chapter number 22. And while we're finding our our seat, I just want to say how much uh, I love, uh, Connie and I, we love being a part of this church. And uh, so thrilled and thankful for good music today. Amen. The music great today. And uh, that's right. Uh, Not to to the glory and the honor of these good people, but uh, I think they're all pointing us upward toward the glory of an almighty God. And and wonderful job at the choir and praise man, praise team. My heart is filled. And sometimes when my heart is filled, I start preaching in fifth gear and uh, kind of plaster years against the wall. So what I'm going to try and do is back my own heart down just a little bit and uh, see if we can worship through this text today. Those of you that are visiting with us, we are in a series uh, where we are walking through catechism questions. And uh, that's not just some sort of uh, catechism isn't something that you step on in the backyard. It is uh, just a way of learning. It's a question and answer format. And so we've walked now through six questions. And the question in the catechism today is, what does the law of God require of me? What does the law of God require of me? And the text that it's asked us to um, analyze today and look at is Matthew chapter 22, verse number 34, and down through verse number 40. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he, that is Jesus, and he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the great and the foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend or hang all of the law and the prophets. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Now, Lord, we do come to you, and and I ask for your mercy and grace and strength. And, uh, Lord, when we approach a text like this that is so sacred, so familiar to all of us, I pray now for clarity of thought, and I pray for every person in this room, Lord. I pray for the most genuine believer who has worked all week for you, and they're tired, and they are in need of the nourishment of your word. I pray that you would encourage them through that. Father, I pray for believers who are here today and for one reason or another, they are away from you. Their their heart is not close to you. I pray that you would gently convict and convince and touch them right at the spot that they need you the most, that they would lay down those burdens, that they would lay aside those things that are pulling them away from you, and that they would turn to you and rejoice in the goodness of Jesus Christ. 
We pray for uh, those friends of ours that are here today. Uh, Maybe they've been in church all their life. Maybe they've been baptized. Maybe they have been a part of a church. Or maybe this is the first time in which they've ever actually entered into a church building. We welcome them here. And we pray that your spirit would use your word to collide in their heart and convince them of Jesus Christ. And that they would put their confidence and faith in him alone. And make this the good glad day in their life that they turned from their sins, put their faith in Jesus Christ. We beg for your help, for we are a needy people. For it is in the name of Jesus we do pray. Amen. This week I was kind of walking through this catechism question and I I read it to you again. It says, what does the law of God require of me? And, you know, I try and think sometimes not just in pastoral role or somebody who's always with the scripture, but I'm trying to think, uh, how does that just hit me as a human being? And, you know, growing up in church, when I first read that, what does the law of God require me? Uh, First thing I thought was, isn't that an Old Testament thing? I, I thought, I, I didn't think I needed to keep the law. I thought that was already done and, and, and put away. I, I don't need to do that. And then I started thinking a little bit more. And the answer, if the question isn't difficult enough, the answer comes back. And here's the answer according to the catechism. What does the law require of me? Personal, perfect, and perpetual obedience that we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. What God forbids should never be done, and what God commands should always be done. I began to think about that, and I I just thought, man, that's overwhelming, and I I thought, man, that's so so difficult, and how do we bring that, and how how do we reach into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet at the same time, not throw away the commands of the law, and the best way that I knew how to say that is simply to say this, that in order to fulfill the requirements of God's law, we must be given a new heart by Jesus Christ, amen? If we try and do it on our own, if we just pick ourselves up by the old bootstraps, if we give it another uh, hearty try, if we just willpower our way to obey Jesus, I have news for you. You're going to fail. You're going to come short. Nobody can ever keep the law of God without having been given a new heart by the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen to that. But later in the week, I begin to think about this, and I, I think this is true also from the Scripture to bear out. God's law can never be kept apart from a new heart given by Christ. But make no mistake about it, the heart that Christ gives us beats to keep the law of God. And so well, that helps us from going into lasciviousness or that helps us from going off into our own way as if somehow to receive Jesus and to be a believer and to become a Christian is just a buffet line of uh, heaven and you'll take a little bit of this if you like that and leave a little bit of that. No, the truth of the matter is in order to fulfill the law of God, you have to embrace all of Jesus, let him give you a new heart, but when he gives you a new heart, the sincere desire of your heart and soul and mind and strength is to obey the law of the living God. Let me see if I can illustrate it for you this way. And 
I was thinking even earlier this morning, it was about, I'm about 4.45, I was praying through and thinking, Lord, please help me to say this illustration in such a way that doesn't hurt anybody and yet it is sharp enough to jolt all of us and get our attention this morning. And so I just want to say that there was a time, I was in a service one time, uh, it's been a time back and I remember I was just an observer, I was just watching as the service was unfolding and there happened to be a person in that service service who I knew well. I, I knew their life. And as the music was playing and Christ was being exalted, I began to see this person raising their hands and worshiping the Lord, and it hit me wrong. I don't stand in judgment. I wasn't coming against them, but in my own heart and mind, I thought, I know that person. They never have anything to do with God at all. They neither talk about Him, nor love His people, nor are they around Him. They operate in their own power, in their own existence, for their own glory. And yet they're here and in an emotional state, they're, they're excited. And then you know what happened is after the service and the days that went by, I noticed that no, there was no change in their life. They went on the same way that they had always been. And brothers and sisters, please don't throw all of your darts and eye glances toward me because all of you have been in the same position before. I'm not judging. I'm not in control of their life. I'm not condemning. I didn't go to them. I didn't gossip about them. I just simply took note in my mind, this person seems to love God in this moment emotionally. But they show no signs of loving God daily. And I just want to use that for a moment for all of us to analyze our own hearts. And you know what? be honest with you, there's probably been times in my life where I've probably given a worship to the Lord, a love to the Lord, uh, verbally or emotionally, but I've been away from Him. I've not been walking with Him. And I want to say, in so much as we do that, we walk on the edge of hypocrisy. See, because what God is interested in is not so much in the moment of emotionalism of us giving that, that the very tenor and the disposition of our own hearts and minds and souls every day is that we love God not just with our words, but with our actions and what we do and the way that we treat other people. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. And if we're not doing that on a daily basis, then I would say when we come to the moment where we're emotionally filled, something is disconnected from our life and from the truth of the Word of God. So let me talk us through this text today. Just three points from the text today. Love God from your head to your toes and everything in between. Love God from your head to your toes and everything in between. You'll notice back in the text that Jesus commands us to love God. And the phrase, you shall love. It takes the form of an imperative in this passage. And uh, all my English teachers are like, yeah, he said imperative behind the pulpit. For the rest of us, the meaning is simply this. It's not optional to love God. 
The law requires that we love the Lord. And love is a settled disposition of the person to do good for, to take care of, and to do the best that we can for another's well-being. It is not so much just an action or an emotion, but it is the settled character of a person who loves God with everything that they have. It is not a one-time act, but it is a regular character of worship and obedience to the Lord. Love is the ethic of Scripture, so to speak. Did you know that in most of your English Bibles, you will find the word love referenced over 600 times? Love is not merely this emotion, although it emanates emotions. It is not just actions, although you cannot love God without actions. Love is a choice, a commitment to follow God all of the rest of your days. Brothers and sisters, I want you to understand today, if you're under the sound of my voice, that we love God not just merely in a moment, through an emotion, or through an action. And I would say this, can I not even use this today? You do not love your mom if you only love your mom on Mother's Day. Can I hear an amen? amen? You see, if you don't live your life in some sort of settled disposition toward your mother and toward somebody else of love and kindness. In fact, I used to have a friend of mine and he would never, ever, ever buy you a gift on your birthday. Because he was convinced of the point that he would buy you things the rest of the year. He would love you. He would invest in you. He would encourage you. And he wanted you to know that he didn't just love you on your birthday. It was pervasive in his character. So love is the settled disposition of our character in which we love God with everything that we have. Notice that the love of God is all-consuming. Jesus speaks here in this passage of the heart, which is uh, simply the CEO of our decisions. He says the soul, it is the essence of our being. And then he says with the mind, our will informed by good thoughts. But I do want you to understand this. The Lord Jesus is not simply splitting hairs here and you have to run away from here and say, okay, heart, mind, body, soul, strength. And some of your versions will have a variation of all of those things. No, what Jesus is using is those components of your life to simply say that the entire person with all of your faculties, with your thoughts, with your emotions, with your heart, with your soul, with your strength, from your head to your toes and everything in between, we are to love God. Did you love God like that this week? Was there anything else in your life that you loved like that this week other than God? Let me put this in here. Did you love yourself that way this week above God? Or are you actively with a new heart that God has given you through Jesus Christ seeking every day not just an emotional interaction, not just a one-time action, but every day you wake up and you say, you know what, I know I'm not perfect. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm a failure. I've come short of the glory of God, but you have washed me. You have cleansed me of my sin. You have given me a new heart. You've given me the Spirit, and I'm going to get up this day and I'm going to give everything that I have, everybody I come into contact with, all of my job, all of my relationships, 
everywhere I go and everything I do, I'm going to give all of my effort to love you above everything else in my life. So the difficult part about preaching a sermon like this is that everybody in this room, including yours truly, has to say, oh man, probably not. Lord, there is probably sometimes, maybe, maybe there's an in-between somewhere for you. Maybe there were a few days or several hours. Maybe there was a time when your heart was truly devoted and loving and settled disposition to love God with everything. But if you're like me, the days run together quickly and problems come and there's interactions and our hearts and minds are taken away at times. I just want to encourage all of you in your heart right now where you are, just go back to Him and say, Lord, I want to love you. I want to long for you. I want to give you everything I have and the best that I have. I want to love you with my heart and my mind and my soul and my spirit and my strength. I want my whole being to be wrapped up in loving God. How do you know if you love God? Let me give you a few thoughts here and we'll move to the second point. I would say this. How do you know that if you love God, begin with your thought life. Now, of course, not every single thought in our minds is going to be of God. And in fact, maybe the majority of our thoughts are just passing or they're on autopilot and you're thinking about work or building something or family or where you're going to eat or, you know, what comes next, what ice cream you like. Certainly there are all kinds of thoughts that are going through your life. I'm not asking you to say, do I love God if every single last minute thought comes into his being? No, I'm not asking you that. But I would say this. In the middle of all of those thoughts that just run through our brain, we do intend to think about some things, don't we? In fact, the things that you love the most or the people that you love the most in your life, that is what you intend to think about. And so I want to ask you just as way of application, in the last seven days, not every thought that's crossed through your mind, not everything that's gone in, in and out, but on those things that you really intended to think about, how many of those thoughts were on God and loving Him and knowing Him and spending time with Him and finding out what He wanted from your life and how you could be changed into the image of His dear Son in the actual thoughts that you wanted to think? How many of those thoughts were on God? Just take that in your mind and your heart and ask yourself. You know, maybe, uh, maybe you're like me. I, I like basketball. My wife and I, we play around, uh, I'll say, in the afternoon or in the evening when I get home, I'll say, I'll say, baby, can I watch the game tonight? And she'll say, is there ever a time when I tell you you can't watch the game? <laughs> She's sweet. She, watch, she'll, she'll let me watch the game. Now, I have to think in my own soul, and I, I'm, I'm putting myself on display a little bit vulnerable for you in hopes that rather than checking out and going in your mind to where you want to go to lunch, that you would just put your own heart on display before the Lord. And I just want to ask you, and I have to ask myself, now, Steve, I intended to think about basketball a lot this week. 
I watch on the replays on ESPN. I watch Golik and Wingo in the morning uh, with my boy before I head off to work. I, I, uh, I check it every once in a while, see what's going on. There's a game this afternoon. I got a dear brother over here that, uh, that uh, uh, refs sports, and so I send him some trash talk sometimes, like, I'll dunk on you like Kevin Durant. He sent me a text back and said, I'm too old to worry about that. I'll just shoot you dead with a gun. So I said, whoa, easy there. And now, now listen, now that we're all, let me see if I can pull this bag in the right direction. And now that we're all smiling and laughing a little bit, I, I sw- we're family today, okay? We're family. So this isn't, this isn't a condemnation. This is us just working together with the Lord. See, what, I, what, I, what the Scripture demands of me is I have to look at that verse and so Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and your neighbor as yourself. And I have to ask myself, of all the thoughts that I had this week that I intended to think about, did I think and love and long for my God more than I did the game? Now, what about you? For you, it might be a person. It might be a relationship. It might be a job. It might be the money that you have in the bank or the lack thereof. Can I hit us all right between the eyes? It might be an anxiety and a fear. You know, the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. If you have such great fear in your life and you find that your thoughts are intentionally on your fears more than on the love of the living God of heaven, you'll live forever in a state of anxiety. Did you know that you can take your fears and anxieties and exalt them to the place of a God if you're loving and longing and thinking more about them than you are the God of heaven? Not only your thought life tells whether you love Him, but let me say a couple of others here. People who love God hunger and thirst for the Word of God. If you're here today and you say, I want to know, do I love God? Well, what about the thoughts that you intend to think? Do you think thoughts about God? Here's a second way to know whether you love God. Do you love His Word? God said that He esteems His own Word above His own name. Forever, O Lord, Your Word is settled in heaven. Do you spend time in God's Word? Maybe I should back up and just ask monthly, weekly, daily. I know you're busy. I know you have a lot of things going on in your life. But do you spend time in God's holy word, reading it and applying it and loving it and putting it into your soul and allowing God to speak to you through his inerrant and infallible and authoritative word? I want you to know at this church, this is what we believe, that God's word is infallible and it is authoritative. And can I tell you this? It is truly the only source of absolute truth that you'll have in this lifetime. Do you love it? Do you read it? Do you apply it? I'm not asking you to run out of here today and read every chapter in the Bible this week. No. I'm just asking you, will you leave here today and think of a way that you might be able to read a few verses or a chapter 
either every day or every other day and meditate on that and think about that and incorporate it into your life. Not only the thoughts that we think about God and the time that we spend in the Word. If you want to know whether you love God or not, here's another one. People who love God love His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, do you love Jesus? Now, you just stay with me for a minute. I'm just asking you, do, do you love Jesus? Now, all of us in this room, and nobody wants to stand up and say, nope, don't love Jesus. So maybe I should have made the point a little bit more specific. Do you spend time with Jesus? Do you read the Gospels and say, what did He say and what did He do? And then find a way to do that in your life. Maybe a starting point. I, I, the longer I preach, the more I realize where I've got to begin. Hey, maybe you're not at the place right now where you can say, you know what, I, I do love Jesus. I spend a lot of time with Him. I just need to do that more. And maybe, you're, maybe you're like I, where I've been before in my life. You know, I, I've heard a sermon like that before and I've gone home and the Lord just did a work in my, in my own soul and rubbing and convicting and I finally just kind of said, I don't even know how to love you more, Jesus. How do I love Jesus? Would you be willing to just talk with God this week and say, how do you want me to love Jesus? What does it look like in Steve's life to love Jesus more this week than I did last week? How do I embrace what Jesus taught? How do I embrace what Jesus did on the cross? How do I embrace the resurrection? How do I embrace the truth that my sins are washed away and I've been given a new heart and a new life? How do I make that more real in my life? You want to know if you love God? You love His Son. You spend time with His Son. Let me give you one last one for sake of time. People who love God constantly remind themselves that they're not God. You want, to, you want to love God? Then you just remind yourself every day that you're not God. You see, you, indirectly, that's what happens. As soon as you come into a passage like this, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You simply understand the reason why we love God with everything that we have is because we're not supposed to love ourselves to the point of making ourselves an idol. You're not God, and neither am I. Maybe one thing you can do this week is just, I don't want this to become cliche-ish to you. It's not to me. I, I hope it won't be to you. But on a daily or a weekly basis, you, you, should, you should be the preacher. You should preach the gospel to yourself. I said, so what does that mean? Just daily or weekly remind yourself that God created a good and a right world and we messed everything up. And instead of blaming all of it on Adam and Eve, just remind yourself every day that you sin and come short of the glory of God. That if it wasn't for God's grace, that you'd be on your way to the devil's hell, but that He saved you out of His mercy, out of His kindness. He has redeemed us. And because Jesus has paid for all of our sins and restored us, who am I to deny forgiveness to somebody? Who am I to hold on to a grudge? Who am I to treat people that way? Who am I to put myself and my needs above God's needs in my life. No. You want to know if you love God? 
if you're constantly reminding yourself that you're not God and you're living in a humble state saying, to Him be the glory, not to me. Well, let me make a couple other points here. Here's the second point for today. It says, love God from your head to your toes and everything in between. Here's the second one. Love your neighbor just like you love yourself. Love your neighbor just like you love yourself. Notice that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Do you see that in the passage? Paul, Paul takes this even farther into the home, and he says that husbands should love their wives as themselves. Now see, the thrust in this passage or in this verse is the comparison with ourselves. Notice here, we protect ourselves, we provide for ourselves, we console ourselves, we cherish ourselves, and we defend ourselves, and we are therefore for ourselves all the time, whether in thick or thin, we take care of ourselves. And the Bible says, now go out and do that for your neighbor. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, let's ask this. Who exactly is our neighbor? I was reading this week that uh, the word neighbor comes from an old English word that means the borough that is nigh you. Isn't that pretty neat how they put that together? Your neighborhood. The borough that is nigh you. Just thinking through that. Now, the Bible can't possibly mean that we're to love everyone in the entire world at the exact same time. That is the work of God. In fact, if you try to love everybody in the entire world at the exact same time, you'll find it to be overwhelmingly crushing and that you can't possibly do that. There's no way that you can love like this says, love somebody as yourself and love everybody in the world. God is the only one that can do that. So what do we need to do? I would say draw some concentric circles in your life and your mind and work out from there. As God gives you grace and compassion, then continue to do that further and further. So begin loving uh, your neighbor as yourself. Begin with your family and then your church and your local neighborhood. You see, this is one of the reasons why we have a local church is because together we can love more of the world than we could ever do individually. And so we are the church sharing the love of God through the gospel around the world. Now, I just want you to try that for a week and you'll find it to be an exhausting kind of love to love a small group of people the way that you love and care for yourself. That is, for the people that are closest to you, to protect them, to provide for them, to console them, to cherish them, to defend them, to live for them, to sacrifice your life, to live with them. Now you see, you're wrestling with what I just said. Because you've passed over this passage a thousand times, said, yes, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, and you kept moving. But I want you to maybe think this week and meditate this week. What does it mean to, live, to love somebody else like I love myself? Now, let me ask you this. If you were depressed today, how much time would you spend with yourself? If you were going through a divorce here today, how much time would you work on your own self? If you had a fear or an anxiety that was ripping your soul out, how much time would you spend with yourself? How much expense would you go to? Who would you see? 
to minister and to help your own soul. And God says, I want you to love your neighbor like that. That's pretty weighty, isn't it? Would you just agree with me, please? That I don't know if you're like that. I read that and thinking about that this week. Really? Now, sometimes we do a handshaking time here on Sunday, and I love it. So there's nothing wrong with that. Some people like it. Some people don't. But don't ever think for a moment that when you hug somebody's neck or shake their hand in passing on a Sunday morning, that that constitutes love. Love is when you're willing to sit with somebody and pray for somebody and invest in somebody. Love is when you're willing to give yourself over to them even if they don't express that love back. Now you see why I say you can't possibly love everybody in all four corners of the world that way. So why don't you just begin with those that are closest to you and work out from there. And what you'll find is if you actually love somebody to where you're willing to sacrifice and live for them, it will take from your life. It will exhaust you. And you know what you need to do? You need to get in contact with the compassion and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. You see, the more that you love your neighbor, the more you need to be in the line of flow of the love of God. When you love God with all of your heart and soul and mind, it is simply because He has put His love inside of you. And insofar that you express that love back, there becomes the cyclical relationship where God is pouring His mercy and compassion and grace into your life. And you are giving that worship back to Him, not only in worship of mouth, but with obedience of life. And that spills over on other people. Let me say one more word about that and then we'll move on. The Bible also says this, Jesus said this, your enemy is your neighbor. Your enemy is your neighbor. Now what keeps that from being soul crushing? What if you're in here today and somebody in your life has done you so wrong that it's left scars that are still maybe not even scars, they're open wounds. How do you love that person? That's why I said earlier in the sermon that love is not just an action. Love is not just an emotion. Love is a settled disposition. You are learning. It's not that you go do love. It's that you become a person who loves. You see, you don't run to your enemy and try and love them in the moment. You come to your enemy as one who is being transformed already into the image of Christ. And love spills out from what's inside over on top of them. If you leave here today, you try and go to your enemy, and you try and love them in the moment, I assure you, you will not have the power to do so. But if you leave here today, and you put into practice those things in your life, preaching the gospel to yourself, that Jesus died, He gave you a new heart through His resurrection, and you begin to study the Word of God, you begin to think about God, you begin to spend time with God's people, you begin to witness to other folks, and you learn how to become a loving person like Jesus, then you'll find yourself at a, a Christmas party, 
party someday with somebody who's done you violently wrong and you will learn how to do things appropriately to keep distance and yet in your heart and in your soul not have malice, not have envy, not have bitterness, but have the face and the life and the mind of Christ. Now you say, preacher, do you really believe that? If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't preach it to you. But the Bible teaches that you can be that kind of person. You can, over time, let go of some of those things and be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. It's not so much that you go and do love. It's that you love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you're becoming every day more and more of the type of person that love spills out from what's already on the inside. Let me give you one quick point. We'll finish for today. This wasn't in the actual reading, but notice with me, if you would, the beginning of verse number 41. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Christ? Now, on your, uh, maybe your time off or later this afternoon, if you want to study the Bible, you can uh, study this whole chapter in context, and you'll notice that the enemies of Jesus, right, these Pharisees and Sadducees, they asked him a series of three questions in this chapter trying to trip him up. In fact, that's what it says. They asked that to test him. Uh, they asked him one question about politics. They asked him another question about the afterlife. And then they asked him a question about religion. And those categories will get the best of preachers in a world of hot water, but not Jesus. Amen? Now it is Christ's turn to turn the tables on them and ask them, what do you think about the Christ? And he takes them back to the Old Testament to show them that Christ is the Lord and that the underlying presupposition that they did not miss, that was not vacant from these people's minds, is that Jesus was saying to them, I am the promised Messiah. I am the Christ. I am the Lord. And brothers and sisters, I would say to us today that it is no accident that when Matthew forms this gospel that he gives the great greatest commandment to love God with everything you have and to love your neighbor as yourself. He follows that up with Jesus saying, I am the Christ. And so maybe you're like me earlier this week. I don't have any idea how to fulfill all the law. Perfect, perpetual obedience. How do I love God with everything that's in me? I want to. How do I do that? I want to remind you today that the only way possible to meet the requirement of the law is to lay down your weapons of warfare, your pride, your arrogance, your background, your religion, and come to Jesus Christ and say, I believe that you are the promised Christ, that you lived and died and rose again, and I put my confidence and trust in you alone. He is the Christ the Bible says this, Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Christ is the one who did what we could not do. Weak as our flesh was in fulfilling the demands of the law. Christ is the greater Adam. Christ is the greater Moses. Christ is the greater Israel. He is the greater sacrifice. In fact, beloved, I would say to us today, He is the only one who can give us a new heart by which we are capable through the Spirit of God to keep His commands. So let me boil it down to this. 
If you're here and you are a believer, and maybe you're trying the best you can to love God and love your neighbor as yourself, you're falling down, skinning your knee, but you're giving everything that you have, right, with your heart. Just keep doing what you're doing. And it's the encouragement to know that God's pouring His love into you. Stay in tune to the compassion and the care of God. Read the Scriptures. Be around His people. Love the Lord. Give your thoughts over to Him. And He will continue to help you to fulfill the demands of the law that only He can provide. If you're in this room today and you say, I am a believer. I know that I've trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I'm not loving God with everything. And I'm not loving my neighbor the way that I should. And here's the tough part about preaching. I, I, I'm telling you on the authority of God, when we pray in a minute, you need to confess your sin right now and say, Lord, I know that you have saved me but I am not loving you and I am not loving my neighbor. Will you forgive me? And will you help me? And by your grace tomorrow, I'm going to give up, get up and I'm going to give everything that I have by the help of your spirit to love you and to love my neighbor. And I'm going to turn my thoughts toward you. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to love Jesus and I'm going to be with his people and I'm going to go out there into the world, and I'm going to love God, and I'm going to love my neighbor. If you're in this room today, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, hear this message clearly. If you try and leave here today, and get gung-ho, ready to go, and you try and live and fulfill the law of God, the same thing will happen to you in a week's time that has happened to all the rest of your life. You will fail and come short of the glory of God. You see, to a saved person who has a new heart, the law becomes God's grace to us. But if you still have an old heart and you've never trusted Jesus, all the law will do is crush you and tell you again and again and again, you cannot please Him apart from the work of Jesus Christ. So what is my advice to you? Turn right now in your heart to Jesus. I say, I came here on a Mother's Day. I, I, I come here. I, this, is just, this is just a formality. This is something I listen to you. But you, you came into contact today with the truth. And the rest of your life and for all eternity, you'll be held responsible for what you've heard today. Jesus Christ alone can save. Turn to Him and believe on Him. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes for a moment? Nobody looking around. I'm not asking you to do a bunch of crazy things. Just, why don't you just take a moment? Nobody's looking around. Why don't you just pray right there to the Lord? Maybe it's been a few days since you prayed. And in a minute or two, we'll stand, sing a song together. Why don't you pray right where you are? Dear brother, dear sister, if you're working hard at your Christian life, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. Keep doing what you're doing. Hey, if you say that you love God, but you're not following Him in obedience, Get right right now. Do it. Just talk to Him. Confess it. Forsake it. Move on. And God's grace will help you. If you're here today and you're saying, I don't know that Jesus. I want you to know that Jesus died for you and rose again to give you a new heart. You say, what do I have to do to have a new heart? In childlike faith, right where you are, why don't you just talk to Him? You say, I don't know how to pray like other people. You don't need to. 
Just ask Jesus right now to save you. Give your life to Him, and He will. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.